0: Love, teaching, the Bible. Are you kidding? Get up, open up the very word of God, and in my own finite and fallen way, given the strengths and weaknesses that I have, to try to communicate a book that is a book, but is a book unlike any other, because it's not only written by human authors, but written by heaven, by God himself. A message of hope and help for fallen sinners like me, That is so much fun.
1: Welcome to Help Me Teach the Bible. I'm Nancy Guthrie, and this is the podcast for people who love the Bible. But we don't go to the Bible just for a little bit of inspiration for the day. We're going to the Bible because we want to understand it. We want to hear God speak to us through it. And not just for ourselves, as we go to the Bible and we're seeking to understand and hear him speak, we want to figure out how to communicate what is in the Bible in a way that's creative and helpful. And we want to teach the Bible rightly. We want to rightly handle the word of truth. Today, I'm in the offices of Crossway Publisher. I'm in Justin Taylor's office. I wish you could be here with me. How many books, Justin, do you think are in this office? What do you think, Justin? Dozens. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, I promise Thousands. you, every every shelf, every area where you could set a book or a manuscript, there is a book here. And we are also joined by Dane Ortland. Dane, thank you for joining with us. Is your office look like this?
0: Not not even remotely, Nancy. Much more ordered, which is a reflection actually of his brain and mine.
1: Oh, you think? They just work differently. Yeah, I
0: think so. Although Justin knows, if you ask him where a book is and he owns it, he will know exactly where it is in this office.
1: Is that true, Justin?
2: Not entirely true, but (laughs) I know where some of them are. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm happy for the rumor to be spread. Okay.
1: Well, if you don't know Justin, Justin has a PhD from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He is on his weekdays executive vice president of book publishing and the book publisher at Crossway. Um, I'm sure you've seen a number of books that have his name on it that he's contributed to or edited. Right now, he's editing the Theologians in the Christian Life series for Crossway. We'll ask him a little bit about that. But you, I'm sure you know him as a blogger, his Between Two Worlds blog that is hosted by the Gospel Coalition. And Dane also has a Ph.D. from Wheaton College. Uh, he is Executive Vice President of Bible Publishing and the Bible Publisher at Crossway. Um, he's editor of a series here at Crossway called the Knowing the Bible series. And I really want to talk about that because I think it's such an incredible series for people who are teaching the Bible to use. He's also editing the short studies in biblical theology series. He's authored a number of books himself, most recently this Edwards on the Christian life. You blog too, although you're telling me that not so much lately, not so often at your strawberry rhubarb theology blog. But um I mentioned that both of you have your PhDs and um so I suppose the dissertation you wrote to get your PhD reveals a little bit about yourself, where your interests lie. So will you tell us a little bit that Justin, you start. What did you write your PhD on?
2: The title of it was John Piper, The Making of a Christian Hebrew. Oh, that's
1: right. I remember that now. Yeah. Okay.
2: So it uh the, you had the har- spent how many years working for him? Yeah, 6 or 7 years uh after I did an, an apprenticeship at Bethlehem Baptist Church, then I worked at Desiring God for several years as uh Dr. Piper's kind of executive editor, traveled with him, co-edited some books with him. Yeah, so then the dissertation the heart of it was on who influenced this man who has in turn become an influencer too. Many of us in late 20th, early 21st century. So uh, one set was his parents who were fundamentalists. Another was Jonathan Edwards, probably the most influential dead theologian in his uh, thinking and preaching and teaching. Uh, And then C.S. Lewis, another dead teacher for him. And then Daniel Fuller, whom he studied under at Fuller Theological Seminary. Heard him mention him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So then I did one chapter on how Piper reads the Bible, uses scripture, and then another chapter on how he reads and understands and uses uh, church history. So that was the essence of the dissertation.
1: As you think about the people that we're talking to today on this podcast, people who want to get better at teaching the Bible, can you think of... One particular thing that you took away from your time with Piper that you think is especially helpful to someone that you observed in him or that you learned over that time?
2: Uh, There are a lot of different things I could identify or pinpoint probably, but uh, one thing that really stands out to me is his relentless curiosity. He was constantly, he is still constantly asking good questions of the texts and is not content just to say, oh, this is what it means. And I'm going to re-explain that to everybody else, but to dig deeper, to ask why does Paul use that particular word here? What's he doing with this sentence structure? And I think he, he brought his relentless curiosity into the teaching and explaining task and did it in such a way that he answered the sort of questions that we all would be asking. And in fact, he's oftentimes answering questions that we ourselves wouldn't think to ask. And so if listeners go on to DesiringGod.org and do the look at the book uh, app that they have. That's really John Piper demonstrating for us how he reads scripture with pen or pencil in hand. And it shows the sort of questions that he's asking.
1: And I think it's been a very fruitful approach. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Dane? What was your dissertation on?
0: far less interesting than Justin's, Nancy. It well, was, we'll all uh, be the judge of that, yeah, but go well, ahead. <laughs> it, was, it was a New Testament and it was in Paul's theology in particular, uh, here at Wheaton College. And it was looking at three verses, if you can believe it. One from Romans 10, one from Philippians three, and one from Galatians one, each of which, uh, talk about zeal, Paul's zeal, uh, Jewish zeal in particular. And so it was kind of a way into a, a conversation that was ha- happening in Paul studies called the new perspective on Paul. And, um, I enjoyed that. The main reason I loved doing that was it helped me know the Bible better. And, uh, so I got to spend three years walking into Buzzwell library at Wheaton college and spend my whole day studying the Bible. I mean, it was just an amazing, uh, privilege.
1: That is a privilege, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I love to hear what you guys are working on now. But before I ask that, I want you to think back in, maybe it's something you're working on now, but it's some project you've worked on at some time here at Crossway. When you're old and gray, and both of you are far from it, far from it. Uh, When you're old and gray and you look back, um, if you had to look on just what you've accomplished or what you've worked on here at Crossway so far, when you look back, what will you look at and say, Wow, that that's one project or one or two projects that I think, I feel so glad I got to be a part of that and why. How about you, Justin? What comes yeah, it's to a, mind? It's
2: a very easy answer Is for it? me because uh, I think it would be perhaps more difficult or awkward if it was a solo authored thing, but it was a team effort and that was the ESV Study Bible that Crossway published. 10 years ago, um, not quite 10 years ago, I was hired 10 years ago to be the managing editor for that project. That's why I was brought in here. And for a couple of years, that took up 75% of my time. um, It was on many days the very first thing I thought of in the morning and the last thing I thought of when I went to bed. Not always, but uh, quite regularly. It was an exhausting uh, investment, but What a wonderful opportunity to work with Bible scholars around the world, not just in the U S and to be a part of putting together something that I think has really been a tool that has helped the church. So it's an easy answer to me. And I don't think anything I do henceforth probably will surpass the significance of, and the honor of being involved in that project.
1: I know as an author, I get letters from people who tell me something that I've written has been helpful for something like the ESV study Bible. Do Letters like that come, and do they make their way to you?
2: Yeah, we get a, um, a trickle of, of letters, and it's you know unbelievers. Uh, it's it's people feeling equipped to study the Bible for the first time on their own. And one of the ways, or one of the reasons that we did it, the way in which we did it's a thick Bible, and you know people have kind of it's poked fun. It's very heavy. At, <laughs> yeah. But we really had a heart for people who did not have you know, the sort of things that you look around in my office. I've got a whole library. I'm just overflowing with the blessing of having lots of good materials. But you think about other countries where a pastor may have one book or no books and no commentaries. So we wanted to put and jam into that as much as we could to create a little mini library for people who don't have access to all the sort of riches that we do. Um, and I I think the Lord has blessed it, and people are using it. And
1: are there one or two things about it that you would say to the typical non seminary trained teacher? This is going to be an aspect of this. This is why you would want to use this when you're preparing to teach.
2: I think one of the more neglected parts of the study Bible, and this would not just apply to the ESV Study Bible, but to any good study Bible, is the introductions. There are introductions to each book, but then there are also introductions to uh, the various types of books. So what I mean by that is there's an introduction to Genesis, but there's also an introduction to the Pentateuch, or the first five books, to help you think about this genre of writing, this period in uh, the history of biblical writing, has its own rules, it has its own background. I think those are among the most valuable things. I really, really believe in... Uh, the necessity of people just spending time in the Word, soaking in the Word. But I think we can take that to an extreme and neglect the role of others who have taught us, because you can get a lot out of Scripture on your own. I believe in sola scriptura, the Scripture alone is our ultimate authority. It would take decades, I think, to reconstruct on your own, with no help, all of the history, all of the dates, all of the background material. So those introductions, I think, can get you a great running start on a book. It's not a replacement. You still have to read the book and pray through the book and study the book as you seek to teach the book. But a good introduction to each book will, will really help.
1: I don't know that I've read all of them, but I remember specifically the introduction on the prophetical books being really helpful to me when I was trying to teach those because those are such uh, books I didn't have a handle on or to even understand how to read that literature. And I remember that being really helpful. Yeah. Was there another aspect to the ESP Study Bible you think is especially helpful for teachers?
2: Yeah, I think that the the material in the back then, I mean, the heart, the bread and butter of the Study Bible are the notes, which hopefully will help guide readers in responsible interpretation. But another neglected thing can be all the essays in the back, which help you answer lots of questions if you have not gone to seminary about how does Greek and Hebrew work? How do we know that we have the right books in the Bible? How did that even come about? Um, how do we think about theology and ethics coming out of scripture? It's so all of those sort of things in terms of making appropriate application and understanding historical background. I think
1: that's another important part of it. How about you, Dane? How long have you been here at Crossway working in Bible? Six years almost. Okay. Yeah,
0: a little less time than uh, Justin Um and really, the project that comes to mind for me, Nancy, is something that was built out of the Study Bible. And by the way, which uh, the Study Bible continues to really be the the pillar, the, the uh, heartbeat of our Bible publishing seven or eight years after it was done. But you mentioned knowing the Bible earlier, and that is the number one thing that comes to mind for me, which is simply a series of Bible study guides, and there are lots of those out there, as we know, Um, and many of them are are good and helpful. But we discerned, um, I guess this is about five years ago or so, four or five years ago, that there was still nevertheless a need for some Bible study guides to take non-formally trained Christians through any given book of the Bible, in a substantial, gospel-rich, theologically responsible way. And so we started creating these Knowing the Bible guides. J.I. Packer is the theological editor of these. And so they go through a very rigorous process, Um, outstanding contributors uh, writing these. And I am thrilled about it. We're two-thirds of the way through. It's coming out over six years, one batch of these per year. So we've done four out of six years. And uh, it's helping do catechesis, really, I suppose. Uh, every volume takes you through a book of the Bible, not only asking you questions about the text, but also teaching you by giving you systematic theology, biblical theology. And what we call gospel glimpses, where do you see the gospel of grace here?
1: Yeah, I I want to make sure our listeners understand that, because that's a little section of these that I think makes them really unique. I mean, I haven't seen those kind of things in any other kind of Bible study material like you're talking about.
0: Yeah, so for example, the volume on Isaiah, 12 weeks through Isaiah. So each week you're reading about six or seven chapters. So, Well, in that six or seven chapter portion of Isaiah... You'll have some questions about the text, but then you'll also have the author who's Drew Hunter. It's one of the best volumes so far in the series who will um, say, what are tenets of Orthodox evangelical systematic theology that are taught or reinforced here? Two or three paragraphs. Then same thing for biblical theology. What do you see here? What themes that you can trace through the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation pop up here. And then thirdly, where do you see the gospel of grace? And that's, The part I love the most. Where do you see the grace of God for sinners and sufferers in this portion of the text? And so it's not only, it's actually teaching users of this how to study and teach the Bible, not just giving them data about what's in the Bible, but how should they read and study the Bible?
1: You know, one reason I really love this series is because I meet people, and, you know, I tend to run into a lot of women's Bible study leaders. And Maybe they've got some um, women who are capable to teach and want to do that. And the choice for them sometimes is either they use someone else's material that, that then they, maybe they repeat what that author has said when they stand up to teach it or try to expound upon it. Um, Or they feel like they need to write their own curriculum on a particular book of the Bible and I just feel like this series fits a niche for that um, that church where you have someone who is prepared to teach, but they don't have to recreate the wheel in terms of writing their own curriculum. And I love it that the questions are on the text, so dramatically different from a lot of other Bible study guides on a particular book that tend to rush so quickly to personal application And skip the historical context and that traveling through the cross, that glimpses of grace, especially in an Old Testament book, how it shows the gospel. So to me, it's just the perfect partner for so many Bible studies. You've got someone who can teach, but you don't have to write your own curriculum. You've got this really solid so that people can spend some time really getting to know the text. And then they come to the weekly thing and you teach the text and apply it and, you know, personalize it, let it flow through your personality. But they've done the work in the text from what you've done with Annoying the Bible, so yeah,
0: exactly. I think someone would come to the end of doing one of those pretty slim study guides, and they will know that book of the Bible the rest of their lives.
1: Yeah, well, that's a that's a great gift, and I'm I'm glad to hear that you're already two thirds of the way through on that on that series. So help me teach the Bible. Our podcast is for people who are students of the Bible for the purpose that they're going to give it back out. And that means we have to understand it deeply and we have to get our questions answered about it. And as I look around this room with all of these books, I can imagine, Justin, there might be a few of these that will come out in your answer to my question, which is as a Bible study teacher, we're working through the text, we're trying to come to the Holy Spirit intended emphasis uh, of the text. Are there two or three resources, whether they're Crossway or anybody else? that you think, and maybe it's even for you personally, because both of you teach the Bible yourselves. Are there two or three resources that you think, wow, these, are, these have been go-to resources for me, or these are go-to resources that you got to have? Justin, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I'd rather hear Dean's answer than my answer, but let me mention How about that. both? All right, we can do both. Uh, I'll mention a couple that come to mind, and uh, perhaps Dean's answer will spur on further thoughts for me. But I'll give you one that I think... Um, is maybe not exactly what you're asking, or maybe not exactly what people would expect, but I still think this is an important book for listeners to be aware of, and that is Mortimer Adler's "How to Read a Book."
1: Really, I hear that from a lot of people. Okay,
2: the reason is that the Bible is a book. It's a collection of books. It's it's um, you know a collection, uh, a, a series of stories within an overarching story. But Mortimer Adler, who is now uh, with the Lord, converted from Judaism to Christianity, was a very sharp thinker, a very good reader. He edited a whole series of great books from the Western canon, not specifically for Christians or for the church, but just the great books that have been written. So he became very adept at learning how to read books well. And there's sometimes a debate, do we read the Bible like any other book? And the Bible is like any other book in that it's it's using arguments and it's putting words together to communicate a point. And so if we can learn to be good readers, we can take those tools of becoming better readers, understanding how arguments work, understanding how sentences are put together, understanding how meaning works, and then we can apply that. Now, of course, the Bible is more than just a book. There has been no other book written by God through his inspiration, uh, through his people. But I still think that that is uh, one of the most important books. Um, A philosopher named Peter Kreef says that uh, he wishes that every college student would have to read that book before they even get admitted into college. When John Piper taught uh, undergraduate Bible students, that was the first book he had them read before they read any commentary or any introductions to the Bible. So I still think that 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 is an important book. So I should probably read that book. You should read that book. But you model already what that book is talking about. But what we tend to take for granted is that we all know how to read already, which Adler shows a lot of people don't know how to read well. So that may be my my surprising recommendation of these. And we've already talked about the ESV study by what I still think that that's, that's one of the most important books in my library here. I have... As you can see, a lot of commentaries, but one of the difficult things about commentaries is that they are so blessedly detailed that it can be difficult if you're just an average person, which I put myself in that category, you have a limited amount of time to prepare. You might not have the inclination, the ability, the time to read a 50-page discussion on this passage. Um, and I think one of the things that something like the ESV Study Bible does is it allows you to get right to the heart of the the issue or the question. It may not solve it for you, but at least you know what to start asking. So those are are two important books, I think. And then you know a book like uh, Dan Doriani's book on how to read the Bible. It's not written first and foremost for scholars or first and foremost for. Remember the title
1: of that is? Is it "Getting the Message"? Yeah. Getting is that it is? Message. is that the one you're talking it about? Is, All yeah, right.
2: published by PNR. I think there are many good books on how to read the Bible and how to understand the Bible, but I'd say you don't need to read five or six of those books, but get one solid book like that and read through the whole thing. It'll cover a lot of different genres and a lot of different reading strategies. So I think a book like that is just, it's a helpful resource.
0: I definitely agree about the study Bible, uh, Justin and Nancy. That is a, it is a seminary education whittled down into one volume in a totally accessible way and uh, uh, totally um, anyone can engage that without any prior, you know, prerequisite training or anything like that. But to add just one or two things to what Justin has said here is um, I think I wouldn't want to take for granted that uh, I would want to say to someone, you need to have a good translation of the Bible if you're going to study the Bible well. We're ESV people here. We love and esteem our brother translations. Um, But the ESV will help someone teach the Bible because you're getting a maximally transparent to the original text translation. You're seeing, by the very philosophy of translation, the words, that we were given in the Hebrew and Greek. A couple of other things that come to mind. One is, uh, I'll mention one book and one series. The series is The Bible Speaks Today, published by IVP, I think. John Stott, maybe was one of the editors, certainly wrote several of the volumes for it. I go back again and again to those when I'm teaching Sunday school, that kind of thing. Uh, he did the Romans volume, the Acts volume, a few others. And it is so clear It's non-technical, it's not prolix, he's not going on and on for 50 pages about a certain discussion, Um, very, very clarifying, illuminating to the Bible. The book I would mention is Graham Goldsworthy, anything by Graham Goldsworthy, the book I'll mention is According to Plan, which if you look at Graham's sort of family of books that he's written, is right there at the center, it's not a particularly hard book to read. He's done some that are pretty, they require a lot of the reader. Um, It's not particularly long, maybe 200, 250 pages, not real, real long. And he just takes you through the message of the Bible, the unfolding, unified storyline of Scripture that culminates in Jesus. And for me, when I read that, it was very much an eye-opener, and uh, I would commend it to anyone.
1: I'm with you on that. When I read he's they've got that trilogy of his books. Yeah, I, right. I bought a used copy of that and the the first one in there, that gospel and kingdom. Right. Where he uh explains God's people in God's place under God's rule. I mean Excellent. that that was paradigm shifting for me. And then to begin to see the whole of the Bible story through that was really significant. And I go back to it again and again. I'm with you on that. So you guys here at at Crossway, but also both of you just in your personal lives. I mean, you guys know a lot of Bible teachers, and you're the authors that you guys get to work with, both in the book publishing as well as Bible publishing, uh, with commentaries and and Bible projects and everything. I mean, that's the the list is long and deep, and so you know Bible teachers well. You've set under plenty. I'd be interested to know at at this point, what do you think makes a good, effective teacher of the Bible? Are you able to boil it down to a few qualities or what would you have to share with us that we might aspire to?
0: One thing that comes to mind is that they really do believe that the Bible is smarter than they are. You can smell this on people when they're teaching the Bible. Do they think that they really need to add their own clever, cutesy, insightfulness to it in order to make the Bible compelling and interesting? Or are they the kind of teacher who has such a trust in the Scripture that you can tell this from them? They just want to, in a sense, get out of the way and let the listener, the hearer, the reader um, receive the powerful, compelling message of any uh, given passage. That's one thing that comes to mind. Another thing that comes to mind would be, um, are they able, and this I suppose gets back to what we were just saying together about Graham Goldsworthy, are they able to take a passage wherever, plunk down anywhere in the Bible, and plug it in, to the whole storyline of Scripture. That makes the Bible so exciting because then uh, someone can sit there and listen to a passage being taught and they can think, wow, maybe the Bible is not just a vast, cavernous, confusing, intimidating, daunting mine in which I may occasionally stumble upon a nugget of inspiration, but actually this is a coherent thing of message of grace for sinners.
1: I so agree with you, Dane. But I'm also thinking about someone hearing that, and that sounding like that'll never happen. That sounds like uh, it's going to take a lifetime for for that to happen. For me to have, I mean, I can remember years ago when I was beginning to want to teach the Bible, and I I would be around people who just seemed to know where certain stuff was in the Bible. Or, you know, or or they'd be able to talk about a a book. Well, you know, so-and-so talks about, you know, that in this book. And I just thought, I'm never going to know that stuff. Um, How do you think that happens?
0: I feel the same way. I listen to people and think, good night, how have you mastered so much knowledge about the Scripture? And um, maybe that's just because they're insecure and parading their knowledge in front of you and don't know as much as they want you to think they know. Or maybe they really are truly very deeply learned people. Um, And I think we can just say, everyone, look, calm down. Yes, it's going to take you a lifetime. And that's okay. Uh, We're not going to be masters of the Scripture and how to teach it when we're 28 years old. And that's okay. It's good. It's right. Does that it's mean we healthy. shouldn't
1: teach when we're 28 years old?
0: Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. We'll have older people, wiser people in our lives to help us figure that out. Um, but uh, I think just keep reading. Just keep reading. And keep reading the Bible itself. Don't let all of the resources, of which there are so many good ones, crowd out your own unhurried time reading the Bible itself.
1: Thank you. What do you think, Justin?
0: Yeah, I think
2: if we don't ultimately say that the Holy Spirit is the one that makes us effective teachers, I think we are, are going to be missing something. Um, we talked earlier about the fact that I used to work at uh, Desiring God, and so that meant that every Monday morning I had to edit John Piper's sermon manuscript to get it ready for the Desiring God website. So I would see this manuscript before the world saw. It. I mean, the, the people at Bethlehem had heard the sermon the day before, but nobody had read the sermon other than John. So I was the first person to read the sermon. I would often think, I could take this same sermon and and walk down the steps and go to that pulpit and read the whole thing on Sunday morning. They would the people would get the exact same, almost the exact same content, but it had not been prayed through. Uh, in the way that John prayed through it, and there was just the Holy Spirit resting upon him. And so there's an indescribable factor when it comes to good teaching, and that is that the Holy Spirit rests upon, I think, our best teachers. And the great thing is that the Holy Spirit doesn't just rest upon the famous pastors that you listen to on podcasts or the famous teachers that have these enormous Sunday school rooms. The Holy Spirit can rest upon Uh, the youngest of us and the most inexperienced. And yeah, there may not be as much content as somebody who's been teaching the Bible for 50 years, but it's the same Holy spirit. And I think we need to be careful that we don't compare ourselves to others. Uh, The Lord has equipped each of us to understand his word and to communicate his word. And for some of us, that may mean just merely communicating it, uh, to a family member, to a spouse, to a child, to a small group, and then the Lord may expand that. But I think we need to keep in mind the indispensable role of the Holy Spirit in uh, teaching. And I think then there are other factors. I don't know that I can think of any good teacher who is not uh, a good reader. That doesn't mean they necessarily read 300 books a year, but they – value words and value reading and are humble enough to recognize that they need help from others. And they, as Dean said, they need to be going back to the word again and again. Um, So another thing that may be surprising is that among those uh, most noted teachers, they rarely seem satisfied when they teach or preach. And Nancy may be in that category herself. So you're listening to this and you know Nancy's teaching and you think, well, she must just walk away from a teaching session thinking, I, I just hit a grand slam. That was amazing. You could see on everybody's face how deeply affected they were. And there's just so many times we, we all do our best before the Lord. We have a limited amount of time. Our brains are of a limited size and we, we work diligently. We teach as best as we can and we leave it in the Lord's hands and Oftentimes I know that the the messages that I think that I've done the best that where it's it's really oh that was so well put. I don't end up hearing that much feedback about those times. I'll sometimes hear some feedback of you said this and I don't even remember saying it, or it was something where I thought, well, that was about a a C plus level delivery or content. But I think it's very refreshing and freeing to realize The Lord is the one who affects lasting change, and we just want to be faithful. We want to work as hard as we can, but the results are not ultimately up to us. So that combination of never being satisfied, being humble, wanting to read, depending on the Holy Spirit, all of those things, I think, combine to make effective teachers.
1: Yeah, and those things can sound against each other, the sense of never being satisfied, but then at the same time, completely resting And God's promise that he will accomplish what he intends through his word. And he does work through his word. And it's not dependent upon the brilliance, the delivery, even the clarity. We want to be clear, but it's not dependent on all those things of the person delivering it.
2: Yep. We work harder than uh, all of the rest. And yet it's ultimately not
1: us. It's the grace of the Lord, Jesus Christ. I wonder for you guys personally. When you prepare to teach, so think about the process from deciding what to teach, doing the study, putting together your outline, adding some flesh to that outline, actually delivering it to even how you deal with it afterwards. There's a certain aspect to it that you find personally still really hard, or is there a certain aspect where you realize you experience a lot of joy in teaching?
0: Good questions. Uh, Yes, many things to both of those questions, I think, Nancy. It it is, I think, the time in the wake of teaching for the teacher can be a trial-laden time and uh, temptation-laden of accusing thoughts, and why'd you screw that part of the message up, and oh, you forgot to say that, or that part wasn't very compelling, and we can get so bound up if we forget the gospel that we've just been probably, hopefully, teaching, but I... With you two, I love teaching the Bible. Are you kidding? Get up, open up the very word of God. Okay. And in my own finite and fallen way, uh, with whatever, given the strengths and weaknesses that I have, to try to communicate a book that is a book, but is a book unlike any other, because it's not only written by human authors, but written by heaven, by God himself. A message of hope and help. For fallen sinners like me to try to communicate that, that is so much fun. I wish I could do it more. And um, so the whole thing is a joy, but you're right, it is laden with uh, difficulties. I really um, can get frustrated when I'm working through a passage and I get to a text and I just think, I do not know what this means at the end of all the training, of all the, uh, the, the reading I've done. I don't know if I can actually say what exactly this means. So there we get stumped, and that's fine. That's true of all of us. And uh we will die, even if we die very very old, we will die with passages in script in scripture that still tend to mystify us,
1: and that's okay. What do you think, Justin?
0: Yeah, I mean I I
2: resonate with everything that Dane says. It is a joy and it's a privilege to teach God's word in any capacity, whether that's uh you know, to a large crowd, to a very small crowd, and how freeing, again, I go back to that word, and liberating, it is that we are not preaching ourselves. We're not trying to convince everybody that we have this outstanding resume or that we've come up with this fascinating philosophy, but we are communicating, heralding the message of another. And so, If people don't like that, if they want to throw stones at us or roll their eyes at us or sleep through our messages, it's not our message. It's ultimately we are ambassadors and communicators of the divine messenger. And so that frees us up. This isn't uh, the gospel according to Justin Taylor. It's uh, the gospel according to Jesus Christ. I have a friend who is a pastor. I know this is specifically for teachers, but he describes sermon preparation as uh, this vacillation between uh, desperation and deliverance. And I resonate with that in terms of when I'm teaching it. Just I think whenever you observe somebody who's particularly gifted or well-known, I at least assume it must just come easily for them. Words come easily for them. Thoughts come easily for them. Um, they probably just sat down and wrote this in an hour or two or did the outline. And my experience is, certainly for myself, it takes a lot longer. It always feels like I'm stumbling here and there, trying my best. But if the Lord's in it, he's going to uh, deliver us. If we are humble enough to recognize that we can't do this on our own, that we need his help, and that it is going to flop if he is not there, because then it's just merely words. But if we depend on the Holy Spirit, he will answer us, and we need to get over ourselves and recognize that uh, we're just planting seeds here. And it's the Lord who ends up causing the growth.
1: So we, uh, we agree that it is about the Lord using his word and yet our delivery, our communication skills, things like the ability to tell a story or to call people to respond, all those kind of things, they matter. Are there certain ways or methods you think people could use to get better? At that aspect of communication,
2: as we listen to a pastor or a teacher or uh, a Bible study leader who's particularly effective, what is it about them that that moves me? So, is it study it and break it down? Yeah, mm-hmm. is it merely that they have an exuberant personality? Well, that that can help, but that's going to have its limitations. So in a little bit deeper. What is it about the way that they structure things? Uh, What is it about their use of language? How are they leading me along? If you want to be a teacher, start observing what other teachers do that's effective and then seek to emulate that. And then listen to enough teachers that you're not just listening to one person emulating their style and then you're just parroting. Listen to a sufficient number and and then you start to recognize what your own giftings are and what your own possibilities are. And I yeah. think there can be some real fruit. I think that's that. insightful.
1: Thank you, Justin. What do you think? James? Yeah,
0: I, I agree. That is insightful. I mean, there, there is an elusive subjective mysterious element here to good teachers. You can't package it in a formula, write it out on a three by five card. Say, here you go. Download this into your delivery style and then out will come compelling teaching. Delivery is kind of a magical thing um, to, uh, to teach the Bible. A couple of basic things though would be, um, ask others, you know, be real honest with me. When I was teaching that lesson, I will not get defensive. I won't self justify.
1: Maybe not right when you come down from teaching a day or two later.
0: You're pretty raw (laughs) at that point. Yeah. But maybe they've heard you a couple of times or they've sat in a Sunday school class throughout the fall. You can go to them towards the end of that and say, look, I really want to be the best teacher of the Bible that I can. Can I open myself up to you? Um, What can I do to improve? How am I coming across? Am I speaking too fast or too slow? That's something a lot of us, we think we're speaking quickly and we're not speaking quickly enough. Others, it's the opposite. So to have someone outside of your own skin say, Dane, Nancy, Justin, here's how you're coming across as I sit out there and listen. If it's someone you trust, who you know will speak truth to you. A trusted
1: ally. That's right. Someone who's on your team to help you get better.
2: Yeah. And and it doesn't always have to be the big things, the big, you know, how was my theology? My wife often tells me, smile more when you speak. Because when I get serious, even if I'm not intending to to frown, just the way the Lord shaped my mouth, I suppose, I look like I'm upset or, or not a happy person. Uh, or we all get into I'm really rubs. glad to know
0: that I thought you've been mad at me for six years.
2: <laughs> well, I, I have been mad at you for six years. <laughs> but another thing is just repeating phrases. Um, I will, will refrain right now from giving examples from others or that I do myself. But we just Thank do you. not pick up when we keep saying the same phrase over and over. And those sort of things they can be they
1: create a barrier. Yep. Yeah, yeah, right. and distracting. Yep. Yeah, right. They take away from what we want to be at the center, which is God's word. And the gospel right?
2: yeah to give a funny uh, analogy, uh, if somebody has body odor, that does not affect their character. They can still be a godly, beautiful person, but it's a distraction, and you end up thinking more about their body odor than about their character. So we try to eliminate body odor, and you can edit that out of the interview if you want. <laughs>
1: Or not. <laughs> One
0: resource maybe to, to bear in mind here, yeah. Nancy, along this question of delivery is Brian Chapel, Christ-Centered Preaching. I know it's preaching, but it would be, a, there is broad application to it to general teaching of the Bible because he handles, I think the subtitle is the preparation and delivery of sermons, and he handles the, some of the mechanics of how you're coming across and how, not just what, not just to whom, but how to uh, teach the Bible.
1: Very helpful, yeah. Alright, so um, you both spend all day here at Crossway. You got lots of exciting things going on. And, you know, it's just the three of us here in the room. You know, it's just us three. And I'm just wondering if you'll tell me kind of the top secret stuff you are working on here at Crossway that you are really excited about. Maybe one or two things that, especially those things that a Bible teacher down the road here might. Okay, I'm going to save up for that one. All right, what do you think, Justin?
2: Well, the one that is on my mind all of the time because I spend the majority of my time working on it and have for the past couple of years is the collected works of John Piper. So it is everything that John Piper has written for publication going back to the 1970s. So every chapter with every publisher that he's written, every foreword for a book, and then every book that he has written, uh, whether it's devotional books or whether it's uh, technical books on Romans nine, we'll collect that in thirteen volumes, each about five hundred pages. The latest edition of of every one of those fifty plus books, and then hundreds of articles, and and put okay. them all in one place.
1: Okay. So, so is it going to look like a set on your shelf that's all bound the same? Right. Are are some of the volumes going to have maybe two or three books in them?
2: Yep. So Desiring God and Pleasures of God will be in one volume.
1: Okay. It won't include those sermon resources that we find at desiringgod.org, right? That's right. Okay. Yep. But just all of his published works from all of his publishers. Yep. And when will that release?
2: Uh, about a year from now, so in the spring of 2017.
1: All at the same time? Yep.
2: So you won't will be able to buy any. Will you index
1: ind- it by scripture? Please say Yes. <laughs>
2: One whole volume will be just indexes and bibliography. Wow. So scripture index and then every, which I think it, that has not been completed yet, but I think that will be fascinating. Do you to have take. to do that? I don't. No, thankfully. <laughs> but to to look at all 50 of his books and see which is, what scriptures has he cited yes. most hmm. over the years. Oh, that's interesting. I have some guesses, but it'll be
1: really interesting to see. I want to, to hear see. your guess. We're going to see. So we'll, well all Psalm, test later and see if you're all right.
2: Psalm 1611 or. Um, What's that? Uh, you have made known to me the path of life in your presence as fullness of joy pleasures forevermore. So passages like that, to live as Christ and to die as gain, uh, delight yourself in the Lord, Psalm 37, 4. Um, there are certain verses that he has gone back to over and over again,
1: but there may be some surprises in there, too. Oh, well, that'll be interesting. How how much is that going to send me back?
2: Uh, we'll give you a discount.
1: Okay, I appreciate the discount.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Since it's just the three of us talking. Since <laughs> it's just the three of us. <laughs> so, how many total words will those 13 volumes be?
2: Uh, I believe it's 2 million words yeah. total. Wow. So, I'm reading through the whole thing right now. Are you?
0: So, if I you think know. of that, the, the Bible, I think, is 750,000 words. So, it's two and a half worth, worths of the Bible right. in terms of.
2: And not including all the
1: sermons that they preach. Right. Wow. It's been a prolific man. Yeah. Glory to God. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dane, what do, you, what do you got for us?
0: Well, one uh, project that is underway, Nancy, that uh, I'm very, very thrilled about and have a great sense of anticipation for is a commentary series. We have lots of commentary series out there. So mm-hmm. when someone hears that, they may think, oh, got more Got plenty com-. of those, yeah. yeah. Um, but this is actually going to provide something very distinctive and I think meaningful, useful for not only the scholarly side of things, but mainly for everyday Bible teachers, Sunday school teachers, elders. Uh, the ESV Bible expository commentary is what it's called. Jim Hamilton, Ian Duguid, and Jay Sklar are the three external to Crossway shepherds of that Oh, those project. are great
1: names. We've heard some of those on help me teach the bible
0: yeah they're outstanding guys, and uh, so the distinctives of this are that it's broadly reformed, a big god with big grace for big sinners um crisply running non technical exposition it's e s v based it's globally attuned, and there's a pretty rich dimension um this is deliberate of biblical theology in other words of helping the reader to read the Bible as a coherent whole that uh, culminates in Jesus. It requires no um, th- kind of formal training. You don't need to know Greek or Hebrew or anything like that to get into these, get help from these. They'll be pretty short. I mean, it's the whole Bible in 12 volumes. Are they
1: big hardcover books? Yep. Or? Okay. Yep.
0: And so you'll have the Pentateuch in one volume oh, and, you know, okay. like this, um, Romans 1st 2nd Corinthians and Galatians will be one volume okay
1: so they're not on every book of the Bible individually
0: correct okay so it's moving pretty quickly through the text and you don't have to if you're studying a passage you're not going to have to read 80 or 100 pages on it and I'm really excited about it so
1: when will those first begin to come out
0: they'll begin to come out next fall fall 2017 and we'll release a couple of volumes every year for five years
2: One thing that's significant, I think, about that is that you can see in my library here, I've got a lot of commentaries, but I have almost no complete sets, you know, Genesis to Revelation, because it takes so many years. If you're doing these big, thick, technical commentaries, the series just never end up getting done. So this will enable somebody to buy a commentary on every single book of the Bible.
1: Yeah, very cool. Well, you guys, this has been so fun to sit down and talk with you about this. Um, I feel really grateful to be a crossway author i feel really grateful to crossway for sponsoring this podcast um, really grateful to be a part of what crossway does to really help get the word of god out there and to equip bible teachers so thank you for being willing to talk to me about what your part in that
0: oh we have a huge appreciation for you nancy and um love what you're doing with help me teach the bible and uh, so you have our uh, rich uh, blessing and appreciation mm. for that
1: That's kind of you. You've been listening to Help Me Teach the Bible with Nancy Guthrie, a production of the Gospel Coalition, sponsored by Crossway. Crossway is a not-for-profit publisher of the ESV Bible, Christian books, and tracts. You can learn more about their gospel-centered resources at crossway.org.